Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. I'm your host, here each and every week uh, by the name of Tim Seckler. I'm the owner of the Seckler Law Firm. And what we do at the law firm is uh, we help people with three types of cases. We do estate planning. We do post-death administration work if you've lost a loved one. And we help you navigate the long-term care maze if you end up with someone in your family in a nursing home and trying to figure out are they getting the right level of care and how to pay for it. Uh, This radio show, if you are new to it, we just try to provide you with a bunch of education on the things I think you need to know to make good uh, decisions with regard to your affairs, your finances, uh, and and how to set up your family for success. Um, And when listening to this radio show, keep in mind that this is for your education and information. This is not legal advice, uh, so don't make any legal or financial decisions based on what you hear on this or any other radio show for that matter. Uh, But we hope you find this information helpful. And today I am joined by a guest Uh, And this is really information, especially if you are a veteran, know a veteran, love a veteran, or just want to thank a veteran. Uh, We are going to be talking all about veterans' benefits. I am joined by another attorney, a friend by the name of Todd Weshey, who has a uh, law firm in Utah, but he services the entire country just helping veterans uh, obtain uh, disability benefits through the Veterans Administration. And so if you are a vet... Uh, or if you know a vet, you can find this episode. If you're listening to it on the radio, it is also a podcast called The Life and Legacy Show, and you should forward this information to your veteran friend or relative because this is going to be fantastic information. So, Todd, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Very good. And so uh, why don't you just uh, give us a little bit of background. Whenever I have a guest, I just like to ask the question, you know, tell us your story. Oh, my story is very simple. Um, I was a a military member. I joined the United States Air Force when I was in my early 20s, served my country honorably for a number of years. And then when it was time to leave uh, the military, I decided that it was time to go to law school and take care of uh, learning how to be uh, the human and the man that the military taught me to be from a more practical perspective in the real world. So college and law school and ultimately led me to actually helping veterans uh, with their military affairs, with their veterans' benefits. That's awesome. And so thanks for the service. You know, I was a veteran. I'm also an Air Force guy. Uh, and so we, we have some things in common there. And, and it, we tend to help a lot of veterans in the law firm. Now, when we help veterans in the law firm, we're dealing with a specific type of benefit called what, what a lot of people call aid in attendance, or it's called the improved pension. But that's not really what we're discussing today. What we're discussing today is service-connected disability benefits. Correct. We're specifically disability compensation. Okay. Which is very different, the type of benefits and the type of uh, income that you can earn from the VA as opposed to the improved pension program. Right. So if uh, if you are a vet, you know the Veterans Administration can be cumbersome to deal with. Uh, and, and so sometimes just knowing what the names of these benefits can be is difficult. Uh, but why don't you explain um, to people, just give an o- overview of what this benefit is. This benefit is a federal benefit paid by the VA. It is tax-free, at least at the federal level. Check with your local states to ensure that it is tax-free at the state level as well. Uh, my belief is that it probably is, but make sure you check. Uh, it is payable to veterans because of the impairment in the earning capacity in civilian employment due to disabilities that were incurred 
or caused by their military service. It can be anything from uh, PTSD and traumatic brain injuries and those kinds of severe types of uh, disabilities, gunshot wounds, uh, exposures to tox toxic chemicals. It can also be something as simple as a basketball injury or uh, an STD or toenail fungus even, but it does have to have some effect on your ability to obtain and maintain employment. Right. And so you and I have spent some time talking about this and talking about how we could help veterans. And, and so we decided to you know have you on the radio show and, mm -hmm. and share. But, you know, having learned from you, it, it seems to me that a lot of veterans either one, mess up their application or, or need help or two, don't even, they're not even aware that they could be eligible for benefits, Correct. right? And so I know you put a couple of tips together for veterans to be considerate of. Um, why don't you sort of elaborate on what I was saying there and then, you know, start, start giving the good information. Well, certainly. So there's a lot of misinformation or just flat out bad information. Some of it from well-meaning people, some of it from people who just don't know what they're talking about. Disability compensation, as I mentioned earlier, is not limited to just those people who are severely injured, people who you can see walking down the street and you can tell that they're injured. It can be, like I said, it could be a basketball injury. It could be a sexually transmitted disease. It could be a lot of different things that you incurred because of your military service or during military service. So the first thing I always tell potential clients and veterans is don't self-limit what you think you're entitled to or why you think you might be entitled to it. It's very important to think of what I call the blue line scan, where you kind of go from the top of your body, your head, your hair, down to the bottom of your feet, your soles, and think about absolutely everything that is different or wrong or disabled or injured or doesn't function properly internally and externally, psychologically, mentally, uh, inside your organs, wherever it may be. And think about how it doesn't work properly. If it started during your military service, it can be service-connected, meaning that it was tied back to your military service, and it can be compensable in the compensation benefit system. So that's really point number one that I think is most important. But even with that, I think that a bigger problem is that people think that it has to be combat-related or incurred in the line of duty. Right. That is also not true. It can be... Anything that happened from the time that you signed your enlistment paperwork and shipped off to boot camp to the time that you received your discharge and returned back to your domicile, your home of record. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be the period between signing your paperwork and your deferred enlistment program, the DEP. But once you ship off to your first duty station, that point to the time you return home after your service is the period that counts. And it could be anything, even if you're on leave when it occurs. Right. And so we, we talked uh, a little bit about my situation. We, we have not filed for benefits, but I have constant ringing in my ears. Right. Tonight, and yes. and, and I, I imagine a lot of people in the military do because we're around weapons and loud equipment, uh, aircraft. And so I constantly have ringing in my ears. Mm -hmm. Like it keeps me up some nights. And, and so we were chatting and you said to me that is potentially related to your to your military service and, Absolutely. and we really ought to consider that so like for me that was a situation where i i've got this thing my ears are not working properly mm -hmm. right you're not supposed to hear ringing all day long and i hadn't even considered the fact that i might be able to file a, a disability claim because it probably is related to my military service or it is related you know and, I, and i'm thinking back to situations where yeah, I was around loud stuff, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so uh, I encourage you, uh, if you are a veteran, listen to this, to really think through this. I mean, is it something like that, that, that uh, or back pain or knee pain or, or something that you might not have yet linked to your time in the service, but very well may could have resulted from your time in the service? Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be something that necessarily was directly caused by an incident during your military service. Uh, Diabetes mellitus is a great example of a condition that can cause secondary or tertiary disabilities because of the effects of the diabetes itself. For example, a lot of veterans who were exposed to Agent Orange in their Vietnam service, Vietnam conflict, or the Vietnam War, were exposed to the herbicide Agent Orange, as we know it colloquially. That chemical exposure in many, many veterans caused them to develop diabetes mellitus. The VA has actually recognized that diabetes mellitus can be presumptively linked to that Agent Orange exposure, which means that all you have to do is prove that you were exposed to the herbicides and you have diabetes today, and VA automatically connects them two together, and you're entitled to a degree of benefits from that. Then the diabetes then causes the pins and needles sensations in your hands and feet, the neuropathies Mm. down there. It can also cause retinopathies, which is a decrease in your vision. Those are secondary to the diabetes, which itself is secondary to the exposure to the herbicides. So the causal chain, or the link, we call it, between the Agent Orange and all these other disabilities, as long as that remains unbroken, those other disabilities, other secondary symptoms, can also be separately service-connected and separately uh, compensated in the benefits program. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, and that's that's exactly, and in, in, in some of these things, these disabilities, you may not even know for years after the military service, Correct. but it's still related to the original military, especially with a thing like an exposure, right? Correct. Um, Correct. For like diabetes especially, you may not get diabetes until 20, 30 years after your military service, and some of those other secondary disabilities may not occur for another five or 10 years after that. So if you are listening to this and you're a veteran or you're related to a veteran or, you know, and, and yeah, this may be a situation that you haven't considered before, but the Veterans Administration, if it is a valid disability claim, will give you, in most states at least, tax-free money because of result of this disability. And, and so, um, but... I can tell you, and having done different types of Veterans Administration claims, that original application had better be pretty darn good because yes. because the VA tends to lose paperwork, or the VA won't allow you to correct some records later, or the VA, it, you know. And so, um, why why don't you give folks your contact information? Maybe they're thinking this this may be for me. This may be a thing that I need to look into a little bit more. Uh, and I would like to talk to somebody that's knowledgeable prior to just firing off some paperwork to the Veterans Administration. Uh, absolutely. You can find us on the World Wide Web at vetuslegal, V-E-T-U-S legal.com slash radio. You can also call us at 617-882-7379, and we'd be more than happy to talk to you. Awesome. Uh, in case you tuned in late, you are listening to the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm in Cranberry Township, where we do estate planning, elder law work, post-death administration. Uh, and we do this show weekly, trying to give you information that may help with your financial affairs, may help with your legal affairs, helping you plan for a better future uh, for your family, your kids. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about estate planning generally, then you should go to our website at secklerlawfirm.com. It's spelled S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com, or give us a call at 
888-888-4227. And I am joined this week by Todd Weshi of Vetus Legal. His law firm is solely dedicated to helping veterans apply and receive disability benefits from the Veterans Administration. He's a veteran himself and has made a has has made a career and built a business just helping veterans. It's an awesome story. Um, and we've been chatting about um, sort of uncovering disabilities that you may not yet have related to um, your military service. Why don't you give some folks some other tips, uh, some other things that they may want to consider? Well, as you mentioned uh, just a little bit ago, the VA can be very particular, kind of a stickler with regard to the application process, ensuring that you do it absolutely correctly. And they do occasionally reject applications for not being on the right form, not being in the right format, and for various other highly technical reasons that lay veterans may or may not ever realize um, were a problem because the system has actually changed in the past five years or so, uh, particularly in 19, I'm sorry, 2019, when they completely upended the way the system used to work and put in a brand new system that many veterans who have been through the process before 2019 are completely unfamiliar with. So the very first tip is to make sure you understand which form you need to use. And if you're not ready to file the claim yet, then this is also a very crucial secondary point. You should file what's called an intent to file a claim form. You can be found on the VA's website. We just click, uh, do a Google search for intent to file a claim and VA, and you'll be able to go right to their website. You can also do it on eBenefits if you have an account there. Okay. And what's the benefit of filing the intent to file? The intent to file allows a veteran to tell VA, hey, I'm not yet ready to fill out the formal application form. I don't have all my P's and Q's all lined up exactly right. And we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later on. But I want to make sure you know that I have a claim that I'm going to file. What it does is it protects your place in line mm -hmm. so that when you do get around to filing your claim within one year of VA's receipt of the intent to file, then if VA grants the benefits that you sought, then the effective date for those benefits can actually be back to the date. The original of piece of paper. The original right. piece of paper, exactly. So that they give you basically the benefit of one year to line up all of your evidence, submit your claim to make the process a little simpler that's later on. That's a great tip because if that expedites the process of the application six months, hey, that's six months of benefits. You know, that's that's Correct. real dollars in veterans' uh, pockets. So great. Um, what else? Uh, what, what are some other things? Well, when you're making the claim, uh, be general in how you describe the different disabilities and symptoms and problems that you're experiencing. For example, there is a situation where VA used to do this. They don't do it nowadays as often. But a veteran would come in and say they have PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Very common disability for veterans who have ever served in a conflict situation sure. or have had other very traumatic things happen to them. I won't explain what some of those are, but you can probably guess what they are. Um, then they actually have a diagnosis when they're seen by a psychiatrist or a psychologist of depression or anxiety or some other condition that's not PTSD. Because the veteran had put down PTSD, VA surprisingly denied the claim because that was not what their diagnosis that actually match. was. Yeah, it didn't that, match. Right. So even though the veteran had properly claimed that they had a psychiatric diagnosis and it had psychiatric symptoms, but they didn't know what it was called when they filed right. the claim, VA ended up dinging them for that. So it's better don't, to be... Don't expect the VA to think. Don't expect the VA to think <laughs> the way that you're thinking about what's going on. So it's usually the best practice that I tell my clients is if you have back pain, you say you have back pain. 
you don't try to describe that as degenerative disc disease or right. scoliosis so or explain, disc. So explain the symptoms, maybe, not the diagnosis. Explain right? the way that you experience the symptoms, the way you'd explain it to somebody in fifth grade or somebody who's five years old. Gotcha. Think about dumbing it down to that level because that way you can describe it in a way that you know how to describe it in a way that the VA will be able to understand it. If you have leg pain, you have leg pain. If you have headaches, you have headaches. Right. If you have a diagnosis and the doctor has given you the diagnosis, then by all means, write down the diagnosis. Sure. But only do that if a doctor has told you what your diagnosis is, because otherwise you may make that commit, that mistake about saying you have PTSD when you really hell have anxiety or depression. Okay. Now, do most vets file a claim on their own? Like, at what point is it appropriate to reach out for legal help? Uh, the system is skewed against getting help from a professional at the application process, right. unfortunately. So uh, there are a few advocates out there who will assist in the preparation and filing of a claim, but they can't charge a fee for that service. Right. Uh, and you cannot obtain legal representation from an attorney or a non-attorney advocate, what we call an agent, uh, until you have the first decision on a claim because Congress has specifically said that attorneys and agents cannot be paid for work in that first phase. So you're pretty much, many veterans are on their own because of I've that. always found that to be so abusive. That's my word. I'm not saying, Todd, <laughs> that's your word. But I've got a legal problem. Because mm -hmm. if you've ever dealt with the VA, dealing with the VA at all, with the paperwork and the system and the follow-through and the follow-up and the callback, it's a legal problem. It, it is an administrative headache. And I might check the wrong box and it might set mm -hmm. me back a year, right? Very easily. And so I would like to retain legal counsel to help me do this correctly. And the Veterans Administration says, no, you, an attorney, cannot be compensated for helping to file an application. Correct. I've, I've always just found that to be so abusive or just tilted. It tilts the table. Because then, at least in my experience, when we were doing other types of VA applications pretty frequently, the veteran files off, fires off the paperwork, right? And they don't get the little tip about be expansive with your definition of what you're dealing with. Right. And then, then you're later allowed to hire a lawyer for help, but we're stuck with the paperwork that the person filed without the help of an attorney. Correct. And so it, it just, like... Why? 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 And I'm not. This is a rhetorical question, but why make it so darn difficult for veterans who served our country, fought, risked their lives in many instances, were injured during the course of their military service? Why would we not make it super simple and get them all the help they could get to be able to get the benefits that they're owed? There's actually a non-hypothetical uh, explanation for that. Okay. And that is that Congress, back in the Civil War era, actually determined that lawyers uh, were not necessary in the process because VA would assist <laughs> the claimants in the initial claims, and they'd be able to get what's called the duty to assist in the filing and preparation of their claims and prosecuting them through to a decision. Now, another tip that I have here that you led into quite nicely here is do not rely on VA's duty to assist. <laughs> Ultimately, and I think any attorney worth their salt will tell you this, that ultimately VA is going to put the burden back on you anyway right. to submit the information and evidence that you believe, to the best of your ability, supports your claim. 
your proof of your military service, some kind of in-service proof, whether it be service records or otherwise, that shows that something happened to you during service, and then some kind of medical diagnosis of a current disability, and then some suggestion, at a minimum, that the two things are connected, meaning your current disability and what happened to you during service. Right. It's, it's, it's baffling to me, and there's so many veterans that go underserved. And I'm not just talking about disability compensation. With the improved pension, I mean, some of these application times, I had applications that have taken over a year to get processed. And it's just, you know, it's just, it, it's a shame. But we have, uh, we have like five minutes left here, Todd. Why don't you tell people again how to get in touch with you? Because maybe they have a question or two. Um, and, uh, and, and then we'll ask you a couple more questions on, uh, you know, some tips. Sure, absolutely. So you can get a hold of us on our phone number of 617-882-7379. And you can also find us on the web at vetuslegal.com slash radio. Again, that's V-E-T-U-S legal.com slash radio. Awesome. All right. Um, let's just keep it going. Uh, some more helpful information for veterans who think they may be entitled to a claim. Number three. And this is one of the hardest things for many veterans to wrap their heads around. So I want to take a little extra time on this if I can, and that is don't suck it up, buttercup. This is the time to be as vulnerable as you possibly can about what's actually going on in your, bill, in your body and in your mind. A lot of veterans find that their disabilities are embarrassing to them, or they minimize the effects of, of the disability because they want to man up, or they want to be... The person the that's tough guy. the tough guy, the, per, the Rambo, the person they expected that the society expects them to be. But when you're talking to VA about what's wrong, you want them to know everything that's wrong because your disability compensation is not based on the existence of a disability. It's based on how that disability and the symptoms of that disability affect you. Mm-hmm. So if you're not able to bend over and pick things up, you need to make sure that you tell them that you can't bend over and pick things up. If you have PTSD and you have explosive anger and you may do things that are inappropriate, as embarrassing as they may be, you need to let VA know about it because the more severe the symptoms, the more severe the impairment, the higher degree of compensation you could be entitled to. Right. That's a great tip. That's a great tip out there, tough guys. Tell them what you can and can't do. Tell them how it's impacting you because when when it, this... Th- Eligibility for this program is not a yes or a no. It's on a sliding scale, right? And so the Veterans Administration is not just there to determine whether there's a PTSD diagnosis. The the question is, how does that diagnosis impact this veteran's ability to gain employment in the civilian market, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, great. Exactly. Uh, Once you decide you're going to make a claim for disability, if you haven't already, make sure you're going to get treatment for it from the VA medical centers, the VA patient clinics, or even your private doctor. Make sure you get some documentation that this disability actually exists and isn't somewhere in your head. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, during the process, you will also get uh, scheduled for what's called a CNP, or a Compensation and Pension Examination. Again, this is another time where you need to not be Rambo, where you need to not suck it up, buttercup, and you need to explain again why these things are a problem for you, how they affect you, how bad they really are, how long they exist, what we call frequency, severity, and duration. Frequency, how often it occurs, duration, how long it lasts, and severity, how bad it actually gets. Mm -hmm. 
And, and you know, what we're really getting down to is building a case. Building right? a case. You are building a case. Now, I know you're listening to this. You're not a lawyer. You're not used to building a case for litigation purposes. But you have to build the case. You've got to support it with the paperwork. So if you have the thing, go see the doctor for the thing. You have the doctor put it on paper because that is a that piece of paper can be fired off with the application Correct. to prove to the Veterans Administration that this guy's not making it up. You know, that that's one of the things that they're looking for is is this person just saying that they have this or can we actually document it? And so going to the doctor, getting the uh the diagnosis, getting the symptoms on paper is building the case for your eventual claim that can result in significant compensation for the rest of your life. Correct. In fact, uh, one of the questions that I suspect that somebody might have in their head right now is what kind of money are we talking about here? Right. Why even bother with the process? At 10% disabling, a single veteran with no dependents can get roughly about $140 a month. Mm -hmm. It goes up in gradations at 10% increments all the way up to 100% disabled which right now is paying out of just around $3,300 a month tax-free. If you have dependents, such as a spouse or dependent children, the number can get even higher than that. Right. Uh, so we're not talking about insignificant money, especially when you consider that in large part, at least in many states, this is tax-free, no income tax on that Correct. money. So 33000 a month is moving in on $40,000 a year, but it's $40,000 a year tax-free, which is more like... Fifty-five, sixty thousand dollars a year that you might have been able to get on the open market. Correct. Right. All right. So we're running out of time here. Why don't you tell people real quick again where uh, they can find more information? Because I'm sure your website has tons of good information. So direct them there. Absolutely. The website again is Vetus Legal. V E T U S Legal dot com slash radio. And of course, you get a hold of us on our phone number of six one seven eight eight two seven three seven nine. All right. Hey, Todd, thanks for joining us on the episode this week. I thought it was full of ton of helpful uh, information for veterans. Remember, if you listen to this show, this is for your education and information. We gave you some tips today, but this is not legal advice. Uh, you should seek legal help if you uh, have a legal problem, and, and Todd can be a great resource for you for reaching out to him where he just indicated. So I thank you to, uh, for listening to this week's episode, and we'll check you out right here next week. Thanks for having me. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.